Tēnā koutou. You're listening to a Core Education podcast, pushing the boundaries of educational possibilities. Kia and welcome to this podcast, which is about the spirals of inquiry. And I'm here with Beck Sweeney. Kia ora, Beck. How's it going? Kia ora. Kei te pai ahau. Kei te pai or kei te pai ahau hoki. Um, ko te anu tōi no tōku no e mihi kāna ki a koutou. And I am going to be guiding us through this podcast um, as we learn together about spirals of inquiry. So tell us, what is a spiral of inquiry? What is the spiral of inquiry? Well, I think the first thing to be clear about with the spiral of inquiry is that it's for teachers to reflect on their practice. It's just a framework. So I like to keep it that simple. The annoying thing in education is we have two inquiries. So we have inquiry learning in the classroom, and then we have the spiral of inquiry, or teaching as inquiry, which is the framework that teachers use to think about how to improve their practice, basically. Well, oh, okay. So where did, where did this come from? Oh, good question. Good, great question. So the, the spiral, um, I like to see the spiral as the um, latest version of a whole bunch of inquiry cycles that have come out over the years. And it, to relate back to your question of where it came from, there's a bit of a whakapapa to inquiry. And it probably all started around about, I think, 2007, when uh, Auckland University did um, some research, some meta research, to find out what worked for teacher professional learning. And when they looked into what seemed to work out there based on the evidence around the world, they found that teachers who engaged in the most effective professional learning were actually naturally engaging in a cycle of inquiry. And so no one made up teaching as inquiry out of thin air in an ivory tower. It actually was found in the best practice on the ground. A sort of intuitive practice and the kind of... Yeah, yeah, in a way, yes. Um, and when you say intuitive, that's exactly how what a lot of teachers say. They say it comes naturally to them. However, there is some discipline to inquiry, to teacher inquiry. So that's the other side of it. When you mean discipline, what do you mean by that? Well, it's more than just the daily grind in the classroom of seeing what's going on for your kids, reflecting on that and then acting and acting differently in the moment or in the week. It's a deeper, slower version of that. So what we try to do in teacher inquiry is we try to get people to slow down um, and really think deeply about what's going on for their kids from from um, a range of angles and then think very deeply about what it is they might need to change over a longer period of time in their pedagogical practice. How is this different from other cycles of inquiry? Because I know there are, there are others, but what's the difference with this one? Yeah, it, there's there are a few differences so one number one is it's just the latest version so over the years people have kept improving um, the cycle of inquiry for teachers to use to reflect um, based on what we're learning from teachers and so the two women who um, came up with the spiral of inquiry um, Linda Kayser and Judy Halbert they're from Canada from British Columbia and they'd been working on the ground a lot, alongside Helen Timperley, our New Zealand inquiry guru. And they swapped notes and talked a lot, did research and, and um, discovered a few things that were important about inquiry that maybe weren't emphasised in the older versions of the cycle, like the one that sits inside the New Zealand curriculum, for example. And so it's six phases now instead of five. That's one big difference. Developing a hunch is the third phase, and it's 
it's a more it's a newer phase if you like it's been pulled out there's six phases and they've all been renamed and I think the the new names are more easy they're easier to understand you know scanning it's the word is what it what it what it does what you do and so all of the names of the phases have changed and and developing a hunch is this added phase that was brought in to emphasize the need to point the finger at ourselves and think about our practice and what we might be doing in the classroom that's causing an issue or a challenge for a learner. Can you give us an example? Yeah, okay. So one of the processes I use is um, a design thinking process called the five whys. And um, once a teaching team has scanned their learners and figured out some of the strengths of those kids, but also some of the challenges those kids face in learning, I then um, help them to focus in on an area that they want to understand better. So let's say that area they decide to focus in on is that kids aren't really, um, they're having a hard time self-regulating, you know, managing themselves in their learning. Um, And teachers are wondering why. And developing a hunch, the five whys process, helps teachers to look at themselves and, and, and admit some things really. So, okay, what is it I'm doing that's causing these kids to um, not self-regulate? And so they admit some things. They say, okay, well, perhaps I'm helping them too much. I'm doing too much for them in the classroom. Uh, and then they start to talk through that practice and what that looks like. And then we ask why. And they start to say, well, I'm feeling under pressure because I need to get through all of the curriculum and get it delivered, get the content delivered. So then I ask why again. They start to point the finger outwards towards maybe um, external assessment systems. Um, But if I encourage them to point the finger back inwards, often it will come back to something like they're not getting the balance right in their planning between reflection and content delivery and developing key competencies, for example. So you can see how when you ask why several times, you get deeper into the what the problem really is. I'm assuming that this benefits teachers and learners, but is there more to it than that? Yeah, I, I think it, the system as a whole can benefit too. So um, I've done a few pieces of um, work around the country with kahuiako, or big clusters of schools, and um, what I've managed to see there over the years, like three or four years within um, a group of schools, helping them to um, become better at doing teacher inquiry, um, we start to see patterns across schools. Uh, and then the benefits are that many schools can work on a similar pedagogy challenge together. So more minds on a problem together, you get lots of really great creative um, solutions and um, idea swapping um, and collaboration happening. So that's that's the wider benefit, yeah. That sounds cool. Could, could you give me an example of something that's kind of, you know, it's it's been an issue across a, a bunch of schools and they've come together and is there a, a journey you could maybe share with us? Yeah. Share with us? Definitely. So one of the thing, things that's really common across schools, whether they're individual schools or a kahuiako, is simply the misconceptions they have about inquiry. So teaching as inquiry in New Zealand t- seems to me to be not well loved, <laughs> which is a bit sad for me because I love it so much. And so some of the misconceptions are that we must do a teacher inquiry 
on reading or writing or maths or something quite specific like that and we must choose that thing up front and then hone in on it. But that's not the case. We actually let the learners tell us where to focus our inquiry and it's often on pedagogy, on a pedagogical challenge. So more around something like assessment for learning or character education or some aspect of pedagogy rather than a, than a content area. There's lots of other misconceptions too that I see that we can tackle as a whole group of schools or one even one school. Lots of people, for example, fear data and the word data and they don't like the word data analysis. They don't like that term. So I do a lot of work trying to help people to, to, to enjoy and love data and, and to play with qualitative data to understand their practice better. And lots of people think they have to pick the topic of their inquiry at the beginning. But actually, if you do inquiry really well, you move through the phases and often a topic will emerge somewhere beyond developing a hunch. That's when you know what you need to focus on to change your practice. So these are a few common misconceptions that I often see. Yeah, well, that sounds really useful. I've got, a, I've got a question here. Why is TAI important? So TAI is a short way of saying teaching as inquiry, and that's what people refer, refer to a lot. The spiral of inquiry framework is the latest version. I wouldn't use an older version anymore because the spiral of inquiry is easier to understand. It focuses on gathering whānau and learner voice and honouring that more than the older cycles did. Uh, and it focuses on helping teachers to really analyse their practice and really puts an emphasis on that through the hunch phase. So spiral of inquiry, TAI, teaching as inquiry, it's important to help us to grow as in our teaching practice. That's what it's for. And so it's a support. It's nothing more than that. It's just something that helps us to change and grow. You've been listening to a Core Education Podcast, pushing the boundaries of educational possibilities. Tēnā rā koutou.